How many of you have ever messed around with a water balloon launcher? Anybody? Just a few people, all right? Uh, I don't, do they still exist? Can you still buy them? You probably can get them on Amazon because you can get everything on Amazon. Um, I've, I've had one real encounter with the water balloon launcher. If you're, if you're not familiar with water balloon launcher, they are sketchy, okay? Like the things that can go wrong, I think, outnumber the things that can go right. But that's what makes them great, right? I mean, that's why we love them. But I went to this in 1997, okay? I, I went to a youth conference. It was kind of like a slash Let's worship Jesus and have a blast, youth camp and a beach reach. At, and so we were like hanging out on the beach and we were supposed to be telling people about Jesus, but really we were just checking out chicks, right? That whole youth group vibe. And so my buddy, we get there a little bit early and my buddy, we're walking to the beach and, and he has his backpack on. And I'm, you know, I don't think anything of it. And, and so all of a sudden, we're kind of getting closer to the beach. We see there's a bunch of sand dunes, like, over to the left of where we were walking. And I just hear him say, like, oh, this is perfect. I still don't really know, like, what's coming, what are we doing. He's like, hey, come on, let's come over here. And so we go into the sand dunes, and we look over. We're probably about, like, 50 yards from the, the water. And he starts unpacking his backpack, which is loaded with this water balloon launcher, water balloons, you know. And I'm like, dude, what are we going to do? What are we doing? He's like, bro, we're going to shoot water balloons at people on the beach. Now, of course, I was like, dude, this is not wise. This is not a good idea. Think about the implications, my friend. No, that's not all what I said. I said, that sounds like God, bro. Like, this is a holy moment. And so we set up, and we shoot our first water balloon, and we just, oh, I mean, we just totally miss. I mean, that thing went like 200 yards, it felt like, way into the ocean. And so, like, battle, what it felt like was like, we, in the moment, I felt like a mortarman. You know, like, you watch those war movies, and they're like, make these small adjustments, and then they're able to hit where they want to hit. That's kind of how we felt. We, like, kind of adjusted, like, battle-hardened soldiers, and there's this guy, and it couldn't have been better. Okay. This dude walks up. We're peering over the dune. This dude walks up and starts talking to this girl. And we're like, perfect. Right. And so we get him in target, aim, shoot the water balloon, and it blows up right at his feet. Like absolutely perfect. And he jumps and screams and like him and the girl like running different directions. We are like rolling in the sand laughing so hard, right? Like high-fiving each other. And I just happen to look over the top of the dune and see that he is in a full sprint towards us, which is even more funny. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you're like laughing so hard. It doesn't matter what happens. It just makes you laugh even harder. So we are like laughing, can't breathe, you know, running, dodging split up, you know, like get to the hotel, run through the lobby. Hey, just so you know, we got away. All right, just, just for those of you who are wondering, we, we, we escaped. No, no harm, no foul. But can I just make an, illustra an illustration here that if you were to ask me, J.D., what is evangelism? When early on in my walk with God, I would have probably given you a very similar picture to this like impromptu water balloon launcher experience where it's like, man, okay, I've got this idea, this life-giving truth, and 
and, and it's good, man. This is good stuff. And I'm just going to walk up to people and throw it at them. And, and hopefully they won't be angry. They'll be thankful, right? It's like they wanted to get wet. And so like the, the, the mood of the person when that water balloon hits them is going to determine the fruit of your evangelist experience. Am I talking to anybody? Have you felt like, okay, we're going to do evangelism, and in your mind you're like, you know what, this is kind of like an a impromptu water balloon fight that the other team doesn't know is getting ready to start. And so we're just going to go out there. We've got the truth of the word of God. We are fired up, and we just walk up to total strangers, bomb them with the water balloon. We're like, what do you think? And and here's what I want us to lean into today. I, I believe that this is a complete wrong view of what it means to be a witness for Jesus, to be one who shares the story of God, to to be an evangelist. Because I had that view of evangelism, if you would have asked me, like, hey, J.D., do you like sharing the gospel? I would have said, no. Are you an evangelist? I would have been like, no way. Because in my mind, it was like, to be an evangelist would mean that I would have to love impromptu water balloon fights, and I don't. I don't like that interaction. It doesn't feel normal to me. It doesn't feel natural to me. And most importantly, I hadn't seen much fruit from it. And so I would have been like, no, that's just not a part of me. So when things would happen, like the Easter carnival, and we're like, man, this is a great opportunity to invite people, I would go, you know what my gifting is? Prayer. That's where I'm good. That's where the Lord has made me to thrive. And so I'll be on the prayer team but I'm not going to be on the evangelism team. Anybody else, right? Because we think, like, man, the evangelism is not me, and I think we think that way because we have a wrong view of what evangelism really is. The reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I believe that we are standing on the forefront of God doing more than we could ask, hope, and imagine, not just here at our church, but really at every church in the city. I believe we are getting ready to see so many people make decisions to follow Jesus. I honestly believe that. I believe that we are standing on the doorstep of an incredible move of God, where we're not just going to see this service filled. We're going to see services filled all over this city because people are going to be responding to the story of God, and their lives are going to be healed, and families are going to be restored. And if we are going to see that, we have to be ready for it. Are you with me? And I believe that the heart of God for us and being those who are on the forefront of seeing the story of God uh, uh, declared to our city is that he wants us to understand that, that his heart for us is that we would use buckets and we wouldn't use balloons. That we would use buckets and not balloons. Here, here's what I mean. There was a moment in Scripture that if you're a Bible reader, you're probably familiar with. It's called the Great Commission. The Great Commission happens in the Gospels, which is the first four books of the New Testament in the Bible. And if you're new to the Bible, 
the Bible is the most trusted book in history because it is 66 individual books written by 35 different people over the time span of 1,500 years, yet they're all saying the same thing. Think about that miracle. Think about that. I, don't, I can't get my family to all say the same thing. Right? I, I mean... God is using what he's given us in his word to lead us and to guide us. And in Matthew 28, Jesus, the moment that is called the Great Commission, Jesus is talking to his disciples, his followers at the time, right as he's getting ready to leave earth. He has, he has died on the cross. He's conquered sin and death. He's risen back to life. He's, he's now walking on the earth with his disciples again. And right before he is to ascend from earth to heaven, there's this Matthew 28 moment. And this is what it says. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some Doubted. Can I just speak to the few of us in the room that have a tendency to doubt before we believe? Isn't it amazing that Jesus was in front of them and still they were like, I don't know. Right? I think sometimes we need to give ourselves a little bit of a break, right? You're a human. And, and we are believing supernatural things. And Jesus was in front of them, and some of them were worshiping, and some of them were like, yeah, I'm not sure. It's amazing to me, though, that Jesus did not judge what they didn't believe, but continued on with the mission for their life. He says, it says this in verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is a massive moment for the disciples, a massive moment for us today, because this is the great sending. This is Jesus saying that you exist and believe and know what you know for the sake of those who don't know. So go. Go and make disciples of all nations. But I want you to watch this because, again, remember, the Bible is the story of God. And so even though Matthew 28 is not the next book is not Acts 1. In the timeline of God, it was. Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all telling the, their accounts of Jesus. Therefore, in the Gospels, you will see shared stories and unique experiences based on their perspective. And so Matthew 28, although you don't turn from the end of the book of Matthew right to the book of Acts, Matthew 28 and Acts 1 are connected. They are one moment. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? So you have Matthew 28 where you have Jesus giving this great sending, saying, hey, go and make disciples of all nations. And then in Acts 1, the conversation's picked up again, and it says that they were eating, and he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, 
Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Aren't people amazing? Jesus is like, hey, guys, the Holy Spirit's going to come. It's going to be amazing. The disciples are like, yo, so is, are we starting the war now or later? Right? Isn't it amazing that man's idea of breakthrough is violence. God's idea of breakthrough is the Spirit of God coming. Verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But he goes back to the main point. But you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said that, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. Now, look, can we just talk about verse 9 for one second? Anybody else want to see how that actually happened, right? Was it fast? Was it like all of a sudden Jesus was like, beam me up, Scotty, and poof, he was gone? Was it like super slow where they had like an awkward moment where they're like, Jesus is like, I still see you. And they're like, we still see you too. And he's just like slowly hovering. Like, how did it happen? Was it, you know, was it a medium speed? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Those are the kind of things that keep me up at night where I'm like, dude, how did that actually look? What, what did that actually, what was that experience where Jesus just like all of a sudden just ascended up into heaven into the clouds? But here's what we need to understand about the connection between Matthew 28 and Acts 1. Matthew 28, the great sending. Acts 1, the great promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28 saying, go into all the nations. nations. Acts 1 saying, don't leave here until the Holy Spirit comes. The intent of God is that we would be saturated people before we are a sent people. The goal of God is that we would be saturated before we are sent. Maybe you can connect with this because if we're sent and we're not saturated, we dry up. And if you're like, oh, I don't know, has that happened to me? Well, do you see this idea of evangelism as an obligation? It's something we have to do versus something that we get to do. Then you've probably spent some time sent that you weren't saturated. Now, also, the reverse is true. We can be saturated, and then we're not sent, and then we blow up. If you're sent, you're not saturated, you're going to dry up. But if you're saturated, you're not sent, you're going to blow up. Meaning, if our position in God is to receive and not to receive to give, we are setting ourselves up to get frustrated at those around us and ultimately at the God who is blessing us. Because we are to be conduits of his grace. We are, to be, we are to be vessels of the Holy Spirit that he pours into us, therefore, that we could be poured out on those who are around us. We are to be saturated before we are sent. Now, if you think about this idea of being saturated before we are sent, it absolutely changes the game and how we experience, and more importantly, how we respond to this idea of evangelism being people that share the story of Jesus with those who are around us. For most of us, if we're honest, we're really uncomfortable with the idea of sharing our faith. We're fearful. We don't know how to do it. We don't know if we should do it. 
we could maybe give opinions about it, but we're not really living from a conviction about it. We're, we're, we're uncomfortable with it. it it's, it's hard for us to think about this idea of living on mission, that making known the story of God to all nations. We can get in this mindset of like, yeah, that's for those people. You know, like, what an amazing story. Is that crazy what Paget shared? Are you kidding me? Like, unbelievable stuff. And we can think like, oh, yeah, that's what they do. You know, oh, that's what they're gifted to do. That's what, that, that, that's what happens over there. No, 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 no. God's the same here. He's the same right here. He wants to move like that right here. He has put you where he's put you right now so you can see those things happen right here. But we don't believe it because we've spent most of our time seeing this idea of sharing our faith as this impromptu water balloon fight, which is fearful, awkward, and messy. This idea of just like walking around, throwing the message of the cross at people and hoping that they wanted to get wet. But I actually don't think that's how it's supposed to look. I think that we're to be a saturated people before we are a sent people. It's not a water balloon fight. It's like this. We're not supposed to just walk around with water balloons in our hands. We're supposed to walk around like full-on saturated, like wet, totally wet. That's enough. That's enough. Whoa. <sighs> Hear me. When you're wet, everywhere I go, is now wet. I'm not walking into a park with pockets full of water balloons. I'm walking through the park, leaving dry places now wet. The, the story of God is supposed to be in us and on us. So that when I engage something, when I engage somebody, they are feeling heaven. They're not waiting for me to throw heaven on them. If, if you have ever been in a situation where it's like, man, people, like, uh, how am I supposed to do this? Are they supposed to know I'm a Christian? You know, or should I be like incognito, you know, like, and then all this, I'm just going to act like them. And then at the right moment, I'm going to be like, got you. I actually love God. And you're like, no, that's not, that's, not a, that's not evangelism. That's like being deceptive, honestly. You're like, oh, this idea of relational evangelism doesn't work. No, the idea of being an incognito Christian doesn't work. People should feel that you are not like them. Like, you don't have to say a word. If you're saturated, none of you are wondering, like, yo, is J.D. wet right now? No, you're like, dude, that dude is wet. I don't have to come up to you and be like, dude, did you see I'm wet? Did you see that? You see my shirt? You see, how, you, see how, you see how it's clinging to me unflatteringly right now? Do you see that? No, no, no. You're like, yo, that guy has water all over him. 
And this is why we're talking about this after nine weeks of talking about the practices, the spiritual disciplines. Because what the spiritual disciplines do is they, they give us a rhythm for life, a rule of life that orients who we are underneath the leadership of God. And it puts us in a rhythm of focusing on who he is and putting the word of God as central in our hearts and in our minds so that we are operating saturated. That we are living filled with the Holy Spirit and everywhere that we go becomes Wet. You know, like, I, I love this real practical. I love asking my waiters if I can pray for them. I'm going to pray for my food anyways. Mine's well. Just open it up. Hey, do you need? That was the same thing that he had probably been saying, that he heard Jesus saying, right? And, and, and thousands of people joined Jesus and believing him for who he is on that day, next to in Pentecost. Why? Because of what was on the people. Because they were saturated. And when you're saturated, people want to know about that. People want to know, how are you operating from a place of peace in the middle of chaos? How are you operating from a place of freedom when everything around you is fearful. It was, it was amazing. Like I, my, my wife and my daughter Sophie are next week going to Poland. Why? Because when there is a place in the world where people are flying out of it, the church flies into it. General rule, okay? If there's, a, if there's something that everyone's leaving, ding, 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 people of God should start arriving. And so I'm, you know, talking to my friends like, oh, yeah, yeah, Liz, next week they're, they're heading to Poland. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Is that safe? I'm like, I don't know, maybe. Wrong question, though. Can I be honest? Wrong question. It, when you're saturated, when you're a saturated person, you go to places that are dry so they can get wet. That, that's, that's what it means to be a saturated person. So you go, you go to places that are dry and you leave them wet. And you know what that means for my emotional state? It's like, man, yeah, could I be fearful? Sure. But also it's like if I'm saturated, guess what I'm not worried about? Earthly concern. I think sometimes we think evangelism, we get it a little mixed up. We're like, dude, I've got to get this. You, you, man, I need some courage, man. You ever feel like that? You're like, dude, I'm going to share Jesus. You're like, I got it. You know, you walk and you're like, nope. And you do a loop, you know. You're like, do a circle. You come back, you're like, hey, nope, not, not feeling it. Not there yet, right? Because we think. I've got to have a lot of courage to walk up to somebody and hurl something at them. That takes a lot of courage. You know what doesn't take a lot of courage? Walking up to somebody and being like, hey, what's up? How are you? And if you're saturated, the stage is set for God to do incredible things. 
the apostles were so saturated. Check this out. They were so saturated. In Acts 5, people would bring the hurting, people who needed healing, people that needed breakthrough, and they would lay them aside the sidewalk where Peter was going to be walking, just hoping that his shadow would pass over them. Think about that. Think, think about that you're so saturated, the people in your neighborhood that are not feeling well, you walk outside and they're laying in your front yard. That's what this is, man. You think about like, man, I want God to come to Austin. I do too. You know what it looks like? That. Where you walk outside and people are just like lying in your front yard. You're like, what are y'all doing? You're like, I'm just hoping the shadow hits me, man. Because there's something on your life. There's something that's happening in you and on you. And I want that to happen in me. That saturated people going into dry places and leaving them wet. I also know that we don't all the time feel saturated. You know what's so amazing is even now, right? Like I'm still like really wet. But look at the impact of my footprints there and the impact of my footprints here. Just naturally, the longer I'm out of the water, the less water is coming off of me. Like it, the human condition is to dry out. The, 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 our flesh is going to gravitate towards being dry versus being saturated. And the fact is, is that some of us are actually not sat, saturated. We're, we're actually living separated. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. That's what sin does. Sin separates us from God. If we want a visual of that, get back in the baby pool, put an umbrella up, and then have water be poured on the umbrella. Did the water stop flowing? No. But I did something that diverted the flow. But listen to Ephesians 2, verse 12. Remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world, but now, in Christ Jesus... You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Check this out. Jump to, with me to verse 17. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. It doesn't matter where you came from. 
It doesn't matter if you are here this morning and you have not been to church in 20 years, or it doesn't matter if you do not miss a Sunday. It doesn't matter if you come twice on Sunday and you follow me to the North Campus and do church again versus someone who comes every seventh month of the year. It doesn't matter where you came from. The Spirit of God, through the life of Jesus, his death on the cross, the power of his resurrection is evident in us because he draws near to us even as our sin separates us from him. Isaiah 55 verse 1 says, All we have to do is come, all who are thirsty. Come to the waters. Come to the waters. Jesus has a plan to see his story declared not just across our city, but across the world. And that plan is you living on purpose where God's put you. Hear me. You have been given a people group. And that people group is in your office. That people group is your neighbors. That people group is your soccer team. That people group are the people that you see all the time. That's where we live on mission. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's where we live on mission. That's where we live saturated. And yes, sometimes God then sends us to crazy parts of the world to see crazy things happen, but he only does that when we're living out of an overflow of how we're living here. We are all missionaries living on mission. We're all evangelists meaning that we're saturated people that goes into dry places and leaves them wet. God puts you where he puts you because he wants to see the power of God operate through you. He puts you where he puts you on purpose. I, I really believe this at the core of who I am. We, we just need to wake up to seeing the kingdom of heaven operate in our offices. I mean, if we all went to work saying, Jesus, move in this place. And we're praying for our coworkers by name. And we're asking that God would, would, do, would begin to move. And you're looking for opportunities to, to step into dry places and leave them wet. Man, revival will happen in our city. Revival, we can touch, you know, our heart as a church is to see the influence of heaven in every sphere of society. Everywhere, education, medicine, politics, wherever. Schools, which is education, obviously. I'm sorry, I went to Baylor. I apologize. Not a good education, just a dang good football team. Just too soon? Sorry, sorry. But, he, but here's the deal. We, we don't need people to come into our city to do evangelism. We need the people of God to wake up and be saturated. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? We don't need a mission trip. We need to live on mission. 
we, we, we don't need, you know, somebody to come in here and, and, and do something. We just need to wake up and say, you know what? No more at my office am I going to let the devil steal, kill, and destroy people's lives. No more at my school am I going to let the devil steal, kill, and destroy people's lives. No more. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to go to dry places. I'm going to be saturated. And therefore, those places are going to be left wet. But before you can be saturated, you have to receive Jesus. And I know that in this room, there might be some of you that are like, man, that's a really cool idea. But I don't, I can't really tell you if I have ever surrendered my life to Jesus. And I just want to say, man, today is your day. If you have a question mark about your status with God, then there's, you don't know him. Because when you meet him, you know you met him. And so if you're here and you're like, man, I do, I feel more separated than I feel saturated. And maybe it's because you've never met Jesus before in your life. Or maybe it's because there's been some things that have cropped up in your life that is popping up an umbrella over the flow. And I just want to say, just agree with the words of Paul. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter if you're far or if you are near. Come to the water. All who are thirsty, come to the water. The answer to what is happening in our city and in our nation it's not policy, it's not politics, it's saturation. It's saturated people stepping into dry places and leaving them wet. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. I believe God wants to saturate some people today. And if you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, maybe you've turned your back on him. You put the umbrella up. You're like, man, I want to experience the love that God has for me. Maybe for the first time, I want to pray for you. Because you know what? It's, the Bible is true. It's always true that your sin, our sin, my sin, it separates us from God. What's so powerful about what Jesus did is that he stood in the gap. You maybe have heard that. He stood in the gap. The gap is, is because from his holiness to our brokenness, that space is huge. And if we're going to get to him, we can't jump across that canyon. Jesus through doing what we couldn't do. You see, Jesus lived on earth, was tempted like you, was tempted like me, yet did not sin. So that when he died on the cross, he was the final sacrifice for our sin. And so, if you need Jesus today, I want everybody just to close their eyes, because I, 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 I want to pray for you. If you need Jesus, I'll just real quickly, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Because God does not want you to leave here separated. He wants you to leave here saturated. 
Amen. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. I see you. If that's you, I want you to just pray this simple declaration. Just It's a prayer of surrender. It's to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. My life is yours. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, can we just thank God? for those couple of people making that radical decision today. So proud of you. This is the beginning of your journey. This is not the end. So make sure you connect with one of our team because we want to help you along the way. But here